What's up, guys? Hey, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. You are truly the spiritual people because there is a Need to Breathe concert tonight. And as I was praying, God just said all the real believers and the Christians will be here. And so thank you. Thank you. Um, hey, before we get started, I want to introduce you guys to somebody. This is Scott. Scott, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Scott's going to be on the pads for us tonight. Scott, are you single? He's single. Ladies, ladies, try to focus right here tonight. I probably shouldn't have said that. Guys, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you tonight. Um, I honestly am coming expecting tonight, and I believe that when we come expecting, God shows up every single time. The Bible says that um, for, God, for God to move, when God moves, we first have to come to God believing that there is a God and that he wants to do good for us. And uh, I believe that God's got something great in here for us tonight. And I believe that there's going to be a word for somebody here tonight. I believe that if you're going through a hard time, um, God's going to lift your head. I believe if you come in here brokenhearted, he's the mender of hearts. And I believe if you are lost, he is the one that finds you and calls you home. And so Jesus died with open arms. Everybody's welcome. And we're excited tonight. So before we get going, as you can tell, I'm pretty excited. But can we pray uh, before uh, we get rolling tonight? Is that all right? Awesome. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We believe um, tonight is going to be more than just a, a message and music and worship and life groups. We believe that tonight is an encounter with a holy God. We believe that tonight is an encounter with a perfect God who for no other reason out of love decided to give himself to us so that we can have a connection with you that's never ending. And God, we thank you so much. I pray that tonight Jesus will be lifted up. I pray that if there's anybody in here tonight that needs you, that you would give them more than they ever thought possible. I pray that you would ready our hearts for a word from you. And God, we're so thankful that football season has started. And we pray for your team, God, the Minnesota Vikings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. The Vikings are God's team. It's obvious. I got a question, Super Bowl champions, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I got a question for you guys tonight, and I always kind of think it's funny when pastors or preachers or whatever, like, I got a question, like, your response is actually going to dictate, like, what I say tonight. It actually is, so I've got two different messages, so this is important. I'm kidding. Relax. How many people in here tonight would say that they are dreamers? Do we have any dreamers in the building? Do we have any dreamers? Do we have anybody that feels like they've got a call on their life? Do we, do we feel like, is there anybody in here that's like, hey, I think I got a call. Hey, I think I got a dream. I think I got a purpose for my life. I love it because I believe that in our culture and in our generation, we are a generation that cares a lot less about fame for the sake of fame. And I think we're a culture that cares way more about significance. I think we want to call on our life that's not just for fame for the sake of fame or, or to be noticed or to be recognized for the sake of being noticed or being recognized. I actually think we are an incredible culture that wants recognition through significance. We want to change. We don't want to be a Kardashian. Like we actually want to do something important like with our lives. No offense, Kim, Chloe, the other one. 
No, but we're a generation of significance. And I think this is embedded like in who we are. This is in our DNA as human beings because even when I was a kid in middle school, I craved significance. I wanted a life of significance. And so my dream, my call in middle school was to be the greatest NFL wide receiver that ever played. I knew it was gonna happen. And I was gonna play for God's team, the Vikings. And I was gonna set every NFL record there was for being a wide receiver, both for my team and for the NFL. I was gonna go down as the greatest wide receiver in NFL history. I just knew it. And how many people in here are honest enough to say that they did this? I would put like the little Jesus caveat in my prayers at night when I would pray for this. I would be like, God, man, I just thank you for your love and I thank you that you uh, want to make me the greatest wide receiver that ever lived. And God, I promise when this comes to fruition and when I am sitting in my mansion with my Lombardi trophies and my just countless MVPs, God, when I'm interviewed, I will mention Jesus' name, that he is the one that got me here. And I thought that was like, he was going to be like, well, if you're going to mention Jesus' name, then I got to do it for you. <laughs> Even as a kid, I craved significance. And as a kid, I even knew that significance, call, uh, destiny, whatever you want to call it, it has a process. It has a process. And so even as a middle school kid, I remember going to my parents and asking my parents, be like, Mom, Dad, you know that I can pay you back when I'm a millionaire because um, I'm going to be in the NFL. And so well, could you buy me a Bowflex uh, so that I can prepare myself for the process of the NFL? And Lord knows, for whatever reason, they bought me a Bowflex. And so in my room, I had like my bed, a desk, and a Bowflex in like a foot and a half of like walking room. And every day I would come home from school, or I would come home from uh, sports practice or whatever, and I would crank the Outcast on my little boombox or crank the Eminem clean, of course, um, edited, and I would work out on that Bowflex because I knew my day was coming. And I knew that there was a price that I had to pay. There was a process to me achieving my dream. And if I'm just being honest, even though obviously I'm not a record holder uh, in the NFL, I don't have a Lombardi trophy, I wasn't rookie of the year, I don't drive a, a Rolls Royce or anything like that that I would donate to the church, of course. Uh, there, there's just one thing that I know is that God, God is about the process. We have these dreams uh, and God is about the process. He is about the process in our lives. And so as a Christian, even as a kid, I had these dreams, I had these ambitions, but when I became a Christian and I didn't realize my NFL dreams, even though if I'm just being totally honest with you, there are moments where I like walk into 24 and I'm like, I'm gonna put a couple plates on there and I just know an NFL scout is gonna be like, look, that guy squats below average weight. I think I wanna invite him to the team. The dream is still alive a little bit in my heart. I'm just being honest. But, but when I became a Christian, I realized God is also about dreams. God is also about callings and he is also about significance. We live in a culture that craves significance. We crave purpose, we crave meaning and God is about significance. He is about purpose, he is about meaning and I believe that when you accept Jesus, you get a call. And if there's anybody in here tonight that's like, well, I don't really have a dream, I don't really have a call, let me tell you, Jesus is your identity, the gospel is your call and you have the most significant calling any human 
human being on this planet could ever have. You are a carrier of the best news in the entire world. So your call is the most incredible call in the entire world. Don't doubt yourself for one second. But I came to realize when I became a Christian, with God-sized dreams comes a God-sized process. And our generation is all about the dream, all about being sent, all about the vision. But we're not about the process necessarily. And so tonight, what I hope to do is just relay to you guys, literally, this is like my story. This is not something God has been speaking into my life recently. This is my story. And I hope that it encourages you and I hope that it pushes you and I hope that it just shows you that there is beauty and blessing in the process. But before we, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself. If you have your Bible, will you turn to the book of Psalms? Psalm chapter 92. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, will you give them a Christian judgmental glance? Or you could be a good Samaritan and give them your Bible. The choice is yours. I'm watching. No, Psalm chapter 92. And we are gonna start in verse 12. And if you just let this, if you let this verse, if you let this section of verses sink in, I promise you it could change absolutely every single thing. And I know some pastors are like, this could change your life. But for real, this has changed my life. Like, not like this could, this has, this is proven. This has changed my life. Psalm chapter 92, starting in verse 12, it says, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. I want you to underline that, highlight that, uh, get that tattooed on your wrist or something. Even if it's not your Bible, it's your friends, underline it for them. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age, that's significant. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Planted. The title of my message tonight is Planted in the House. Planted in the House. I think that we, we live in a culture that is afraid of this word planted. We think this word is almost like a curse word or almost like a, man, you're killing my vibe. Like planted is not a sexy word in our culture. We love to be called. We love to be sent, but planted? We don't love to be planted. And I think what happens is when we love the call, when we love the dreams, when we love the, the, the gifting, but we don't understand the process, it can breed in us what I like to call a, a culture of spiritual gypsies. Spiritual gypsies. This is how you can identify a spiritual gypsy. Hey, where do you go to church? I actually don't go to one church. I go to seven churches. I go to this church in the morning because the teaching is super deep. I go to this church at night because I love the relevant music. I go to this church on Saturday night so that I can have community with my friends. I go to this Bible study on Wednesday nights and on Thursday nights I come to young adults like, stop being a spiritual gypsy. Get planted. And then you also have people that go around and, and, and I call them revival chasers. And, and listen, I believe wholeheartedly in revivals. I believe that there are points in times that for whatever reason, because God is sovereign, he chooses to just give us a piece of himself uh, in a specific area and he moves in a certain way. I get that. 
But we don't have to chase revivals. Did you know that revival is right on your fingertips? What starts a revival is a couple Christians that just choose that they're going to get planted in a house. And the Bible says they will flourish when they are planted in the house. A revival is right around the corner if you choose to get planted. I guarantee you, if you would go to any revival in America, there would be one, two, three, maybe four people that just decided that this is where I'm getting planted. This is where I'm going to stay. The Bible says I will flourish in the courts of the Lord. And this is what is going to break it out is the fact that I'm here, I'm digging roots, and I'm not going anywhere. Planted. Revival is right around the corner. If you just want to get planted, or, or how many people know a habitual dater, uh, a serial dater? Point them out right now. Let's shame them. I'm kidding. Don't point them out. <laughs> a serial dater. There's someone that jumps around from date to date, and the second something gets serious, they're out. The, the second something gets, uh, there's a commitment involved, they're out. Did you know that people date the things of God? Oh, it got quiet. Did you know that there are serial church daters that love the feeling of initial enticement? They love the feeling of the new. They love the feeling of the, man, this is fresh. Man, this is different. There's something about this that's new. But the second commitment comes along, they're out. Don't date the things of God. Don't be a serial dater. Don't be a gypsy. Don't be a whatever. Planted. Get planted. And I want to tell you the root of this spiritual gypsyism in Christianity. It's this. It's fear. It's fear. And I know that because at one point in time, I was a spiritual gypsy. It's fear. And this is the fear. This is the fear. If I'm planted, if I serve in Kids Rock on Thursday and I don't get to be a part of the message... If I, if I serve on parking team on Sunday, if I, if I go up and help do set up and tear down at, at Evergreen, if I'm planted, I'm going to miss my opportunity to shine. If I'm planted, so I, I might have to go through a season of being covered and nobody's going to know my name. Nobody's going to want to put a light in my face or a microphone in my hand and nobody's going to want to hear from me. If I'm planted... Planted means digging roots. Planted means maybe seasons of obscurity. Planted means getting covered. But side note, there's nothing better than being covered by the house of God. Planted is based out of fear. Spiritual gypsy, it's based out of fear. What if I don't get mine in my time? Because I have this calling, I have this dream, I have this vision for my life, but I, I, don't tr I trust God with the dream, but maybe not the process. God, thank you for the dream. I got it from here. I want to tell you something. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, I'm judging you. Write this down. This is how you end spiritual FOMO, okay? <laughs> Purpose is always in motion, even while positioning is being developed. I'm going to say that again. Purpose is always in motion, even while positioning is being developed. This is your confidence and your security in getting planted in the house of the Lord. 
Yeah, man, but what happens when I'm planted and I'm doing kids rock and my friend gets to do the announcements? Or what happens when I'm planted and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing this for the church and nobody knows my name? Nobody comes up to me. Pastor Sean, Pastor Chad doesn't come up to me and they don't know my name, but I've been doing planted. Be planted. Because this is why your purpose is always in motion. Even while you're positioned, God knows where you are. God knows what season you're in. He gave you the calling. He gave you the vision. He gave you the dream. And listen to what it says. It says, those who are planted in the house will flourish. Will. Not maybe. Not if God's feeling up to it at the time. They will flourish if you are planted. But here's the thing. Being around it is not the same as being in it. I'm going to say it again. Being around it is not the same as being in it. It didn't say those who go to seven different small groups at seven different churches will flourish in the house. It didn't say those that, that sort of taste and see and date the things of God will flourish in the house. It didn't say that those who just kind of come and observe but never participate, never put skin in the game will flourish. No, if, if your life isn't flourishing, there is a good chance it's, it's simple. You're just not planted yet. Because here's the thing, God wants to bless his house. God, God said, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my house. There is a blessing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's a blessing on the house. And, and God's not like trying to like withhold anything from you. You just got to get planted. But you can be around it, but not be in it. And I just wonder if there's anybody in here tonight that, that's tired of being around church and is ready to be in church, that's tired of observing and is ready to participate. You can be around it, but you might not be in it, but your purpose is always in motion, even if your position is being developed. But here's the thing, and this is kind of sobering, but I want you to hear this, because this I feel like this was me to a T. You can work to obtain your dream. You can forego the process of being planted. You can try to fast forward what God has, the, the process for you. You can work to obtain your dream by your own strengths, but get this, whatever it takes for you to obtain that dream, that, that version of your dream is the exact same thing it will take to sustain that. Whatever doors you had to prematurely kick down, whatever connections you had to call on, whatever favors you had to do, whatever person you had to maybe bad mouth to your boss so they would put you slightly above that person, whatever work you had to do to obtain your position, that is the same amount of work you have to do to sustain your position. But look what Psalm 92 says. Look what it says. It says, the righteous, put your name in there. Connor will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon when he is planted in the house. He will flourish in the courts of God and bear fruit in old age. What is the role? What is the job of the righteous, the Christian, during the process? Be planted. Stay planted. Get planted in the house. Participate. Be planted. Because you can work to obtain a version of the call but you will have to work like crazy to sustain that position if it's not given to you and you just work to take it. You can get it, you can get a piece of it, you can get a taste of it, but all the effort, all the bridges you have to burn, man, you're gonna have to keep that pace up. 
if you want to sustain it. But if you're planted, you'll flourish. If you're planted, you will flourish. Blessed are those who are planted. And I want to read you guys another scripture. Psalm 84. Turn in your Bibles. We love our Bibles. Turn, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 84. This changed my life. This changed my life forever. Oh my goodness. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to jump around a little bit. Sorry, CCU students. <laughs> I know your teachers would tell you not to do that. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Man, God, how lovely is your house. My soul longs, yet even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow finds for herself a nest where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, underline this, circle this, highlight this. Blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Blessed are those who are planted in your house, ever singing your praises. And jump to verse 10. Verse 10 and 11, this is a game changer. For a day, God, in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God then dwell in the tents of wickedness for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Who's he talking about? Those who are blessed in the house? Those who are planted in the house? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God because why? Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who dwell in the house. And this is why this is so important. It says God bestows honor. God bestows favor to those who are planted in the house. What does that mean? That means you have two options. You can work to obtain and work to sustain, or you can get planted in the house. And at the right time, and at the right moment, and when God knows exactly where you are, you partake of the blessing of the house, and the blessing just kind of takes over your life. And you don't got to work to promote. You don't got a bad mouth. You don't got to call on your connections because favor and honor are working in your favor because God said, if you get rooted, if you get planted in my house, man, I will bless you. I will give you favor. I will give you honor. And that is my story. Man, when you, when you are planted in the house, when you, are, when you are operating in the blessing of the house, man, you're around people you don't deserve to be around. You get platforms you've never deserved on your own and that you cannot obtain on your own. Man, I have people that literally ask me for my ideas that are way smarter, way more gifted, way more talented. That's not because I just like weaseled my way in. That's a blessing, that's favor that I don't deserve. But I just decided that I'm gonna get planted. And I'm telling you, my life is a testimony just for over and over and over again. Man, anytime something good has happened to me, it has been a result of being planted in God's house. Ask my wife. Man, the lives that we live, we're not balling by any extent, but the lives that we live, we don't deserve that. We are products of the house. 
We are products of being planted. We are products of undeserved favor and undeserved grace and undeserved honor, all because we got planted. And here's the thing, you can work, you can work, you can work, whatever Rihanna said, work, work, speak in tongues, girl, go ahead, Rihanna. Nobody knows, you can work. But if you work to obtain, you'll have to work real hard to sustain. But if you're planted and God is your promoter, the blessing sustains, favor sustains, honor sustains. Band, you guys can make your way on up. That's my super spiritual band call. I wanna share with you guys a story and I was hesitant to share this with you because I didn't want you to think that I was trying to make myself sound like super Christian or anything. But this, literally changed my life. <laughs> this changed my life. Because I, I went to school, when I became a Christian, I felt a call from God. I felt God, I felt this, this pull from God to say, get into full-time ministry, plant a church, pastor a church, preach to people, tell everybody you know about Jesus. And my, my heart and my mind is like, God, I want to preach to 100,000 non-believers and see 100,000 people come to know you. I'm just being totally, brutally honest right now. And that is the call. That's, that's, that's the call that I felt like I got on my life. And so I went to school uh, down in Florida. And as part of my... Um, curriculum or whatever. I had to do like this little mini internship and work at a church. And, and I got a taste of the call. I got a taste of the giftings that God has put on my life. And I got to be on this little preaching team. And I had a couple of uh, professors and a couple pastors speak into my life and kind of tell me that I was running in the right lane. And just side note, this is bonus material. You can write this down. Oftentimes God gives a call, then he kills a call so that he can resurrect the call the way exactly that he wants it to be. Oftentimes he gives us a call and then we kind of give it our timeline. We kind of give it our, our spin. Lord, make me a Super Bowl champion. I'll talk about Jesus. Amen. We get a call and it's from God. He's not playing with you. That dream in your heart, that very well may be from God. But if you're not operating in that dream right now, it's because God's probably killing it. Not because he doesn't like you, not because he wants something bad for you, because he wants to resurrect it. Why does he do that? Because he just wants to make sure that you love him more than the call. There are people that fall in love with the call. I fell in love with the call. He just wants to make sure you love him more than the call. And so he'll call you, he'll kill it, and then he'll resurrect it into something beautiful. I'm getting sidetracked. Focus, okay, here we go. I was at school. And I had uh, teachers pouring into my life, speaking awesome things over me. I was like, man, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to kill it. I'm called. I, I just am waiting for the day that Hillsong calls me to speak at their conference. I'm like 18 years old and like still have to wear suits and ties to church and stuff. I'm just like, I'm just waiting for somebody to notice me. And I get this internship at a church. And this was my job. Not kidding. My job was to scoop ice and buy store brand soda for the life groups that they would have. That was my job. Called into ministry, called to preach to 100,000, called to start a church. Job number one, scoop ice and buy Publix brand soda. And this church, they would have life groups in their building. And I would go around to like 10 different groups or 10 different rooms and I would carry these little igloo coolers with me. And I would take them to this uh, ice machine that was in the church and I would get out this 
like super metal freezing. I don't know why they left it in the ice machine like handle and I would like start scooping ice into the igloo cooler. And all of my friends around me were getting promoted. We would go to dinner or lunch at school and I'd be like, hey man, how's your internship? Awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually might get hired as the new youth pastor and I get to speak on Wednesday. Oh, that's cool, man. Hey, how, how's your, oh, it's awesome, man. They promoted me to like an actual worship leader and I get to lead worship on Sundays. Oh, that's awesome. And in my head, I'm like, I hate you. But like, and they're like, oh, how is yours going? G great. What do you do? Scoop eyes. What? I scoop ice. I scoop ice, okay? Leave me alone. Let me eat my Salisbury steak or whatever this is, this nasty thing. And I remember seeing all my friends get promoted around me, and I was dying. It was killing me. And I remember one day getting out of class, honestly thinking about telling these people, like, hey, because here's why. Here's why. I tried to work to obtain. I would, like, sweet talk the pastor and the pastor's wife. I would, like, make sure I'm around the right people at the right time. I would, like, you know, drop a funny joke to the worship leader, just trying to get myself on their mind so that maybe for whatever reason, this kid they've never met before, they would give an opportunity to preach in the pulpit. Like, that would ever happen. That's never a good idea. But I remember driving to this church like almost in tears, just being like, God, you forgot about me. Like, I'm done. I'm giving up. I'm done. And I remember turning on a podcast by Craig Rochelle, and he talked about Psalm 84. And he said, blessed are those that dwell in the house of the Lord. I would rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than do anything else. A doorkeeper in the house of God than do anything else. And I remember crying. I might have got snot all over people's ice that day. But I was scooping ice, and I was like, God, if I could be an ice scooper in your house, I will scoop ice every day of my life. If I can be planted in your house and scoop ice, I will buy Publix brand Diet Coke for the rest of my life if I can dwell in the house. And I remember clear as day, I remember scooping ice, praising God. They probably thought I was nuts, but I'm like crying. I got snot down my face and tears down my face. And I'm praising God, saying how good he is, just scooping my ice. And I remember that was a time where God said, hey, I can use you now. That dream, I can start the resurrection process now. Because I killed it. I killed it, but now it's in a perfected state. Last thing, I'm, I'm probably way over on time. I'm sorry. Uh, tech team or whatever. Um, last thing I want to leave with you guys, uh, my last point here, those who are planted in the house will resist the temptation to bail out too early. Those who are planted in the house will resist the temptation to bail too early. Write this down. Sometimes the greatest callings are achieved not by a change in location, but by a change in perspective. Amen, Connor, that was good, thank you. Sometimes the greatest callings are achieved not by a change in location, but by a change in perspective. I want you guys to hear me. As many of you know, you know our fearless leader, Jess. I don't know where she's sitting, but I've heard her a couple times. Um, Jess, when she first started working at Red Rocks, uh, she was, if, I believe, if I'm correct, a part-time admin assistant. 
And basically what that meant was she had to put up with Sean and Chad and the directors, which is a job in and of itself. Um, I love those guys, I'm kidding. Um, but she would answer emails, she would answer phone calls, and uh, she would just help them. She would just kind of help them be a blessing in their life. And if you've been around her, if you've heard her story, I believe while she was doing this, she felt God put a word on her heart that was just like, I'm good. I want you to raise up an army of young adults in Denver as an admin assistant, mind you. He gave the dream. And as she felt called to lead this army of young adults, this, this army of people for God, um, I, I want you to see, because right now we, we get to see the lights. We get to see the stage. We get to see the microphones and the new podiums. And we get the thousand chairs and we get a thousand people that show up. And that's awesome. But as an admin, day one, here's her army. Here's uh, the army of young adults. Maybe 10 people. Man, I wonder what would have happened if as she was an admin assistant doing this for free, mind you, because she felt the call, I wonder what would have happened if somebody called her and said, hey, you're way more talented than uh, an admin assistant. I want you just to kind of jump ship real quick and, and come over here, there's opportunity. Or, or what would happen if she would have gone to CCU or another church and said, listen, I'm an admin assistant right now, but I've got potential and I've got this dream. An army of 10 turned into an army of like a thousand and we're not even close to being done yet. But what's sustained? What's sustained during those moments of, of answering emails? Or what's sustained when it grew to like 100 and then back down to 50? What, what's sustained when it got to 300 and we had a great event and then the next week 200 people showed? What happens when we pray for 3,000 people to come to an event and only 1,000 people show up? Are you shaken? No. I'm planted. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to bail out on the blessing too soon. Because I know that my purpose is being worked out even if my position isn't available yet. Man, I know that if I'm planted, blessing is going to move me forward. Favor is going to move me forward. Honor is going to move me forward. I don't have to work for it and I don't have to sustain it. God will sustain it. If I don't leave and I get invested, man, God's going to take over. Would you all stand to your feet? I love you guys so much. And I wanna challenge you guys tonight. This isn't a, a pool or a call for volunteers. We've got the best volunteers on the planet. We could literally run the country right now if we wanted with our volunteers. <laughs> I want you to take an honest examination of your heart. I want you to think about Psalm 84. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Are you a doorkeeper? Do you have the heart of a doorkeeper? Or are you looking for any and every opportunity to promote yourself? Are you planted in a house or do you date around at like six or seven different houses? Are you committed? Are you planted? Side note, girl, don't ever marry a guy that goes to seven different churches. If they can't commit to a church, Sorry, I don't know why I'm so distracted. <laughs> Where are you in your process? Because I believe in the dream God's put in your heart. 
I believe in the call on your life. I mean it. I mean it, but I stand here today, not a product of talent, not a product of knowing the right people or being in the right place at the right time. I am simply a product of favor and honor and blessing, not because I'm great, because I just decided to get plugged in. I decided to stack chairs. I'm a product of the house. Can we pray? Jesus, we love you so much. We are so thankful for you, Jesus. We're so thankful for your love. We're thankful, God, that you just, you want blessing. You're not holding blessing back. Blessing is available right now if we get planted and we grow roots. So God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts of every single person in here. God, would you speak to the hearts and show people how they can get planted? Not because not we need something from them, but there is blessing in this house. But it's for the people that are planted in the house. Jesus, we love you so much. It is my honor to worship you tonight with my friends and my family. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.